As you look in your scripture, Luke 16, starting verse 19, there's probably not one of us in here that does not have one lost loved one, a friend, co-worker, or neighbor that we're concerned about. That we know that if something happened today to them, that they would spend eternity in hell. I know that just put a damper on everything because we just came through a time of celebration. And sometimes we even get to the point as believers asking the question, can God really save them? Can God really save these lost friends of ours? And what's the answer? Yes, He can. Yes, He can. But you know, we still want to kind of question, why? Why is all this going on? Why can't it work out different? We're going to look today. But I want especially for you that do not know Jesus Christ as your Savior, today is a day you can simply ask Him. It's very simple. These words, you don't have to go through some magic acts of saying, Jesus, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for the sin that that, that just burns me, that hurts me. And forgive me. Come in my heart and live. And guess what He does? He says, I'll think about it. I'm just checking to see if y'all are listening. Because that's how sometimes we act, don't we? But the truth is, He will save you today if you will ask Him. And so we can find hope in that. Let's look at our Scripture. This is the rich man and, and Lazarus. And uh, it talks about a hell. Now here's the thing I need to, for y'all to uh, kind of answer. Do y'all believe in hell? Do y'all really believe in hell? then why do we not act like it most of the time? We kind of kind of put that off back inside. Well, it might be, but you know, everybody's going to heaven, right? That's not true. Everybody has the opportunity to go to heaven. But some themselves will say, no, that's not God's fault. They will say, they will say no. Let's look at this. There was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and lived in luxury every day. At his gate was laid a beggar named Lazarus, covered with sores and longing to eat what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs came and licked his sores. And the time came when the beggar died and the angels carried him to Abraham's side. And the rich man also died and was buried in hell where he was in torment. He looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. So he called to him, Father Abraham, have pity on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue because I am in agony in this fire. But Abraham replied, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things while Lazarus received bad things, but now he is comforted here and you are in agony. And besides all this, Between us and you, a great chasm has been fixed, so that those who want to go from here to you cannot, nor can anyone cross over from there to us. And he answered, Then I beg you, Father, send Lazarus to my father's house, for I have five brothers. Let him warn them, so that they will not also come to this place of torment. And Abraham replied, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to them. No, Father Abraham, he said, But if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. 
He said to him, If they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be convinced, even if someone rises from the dead. Wow, what power there that we had the prophets and Moses and all and one rising from the dead. And the truth is, people know of Jesus and have heard of His resurrection and still do not trust in Him. Still do not. But we are still to be concerned. We're still to be loving and reaching out to the lost. But first we're going to look at what God has done. What God has done. And there's three specific things we'll look at that God has already put in place for our loved ones. The first thing is, is the Word of God. The Word of God. In John, the fifth chapter, verse 39, it says there, You diligently study the Scriptures because you think by them you possess eternal life. These are the Scriptures that testify about me. And so we see the wonderful thing about God's Word. Did you know it took over 40 different authors? 40 different authors writing over a 1,600-year time frame to come up to what we have here, God's precious Word. 40 different authors, I mean, from different walks of life, different time frames, and they put together something so wonderful to teach us about our Heavenly Father. And the point, Old Testament pointing to Jesus and then the New Testament telling us about Jesus. How wonderful this is. And see, what I love about it is it took 1,600 years to put all this together. And how many now, as you look back, how many years have people been trying to tear up God's Word? How many people have spent their life trying to prove this is not right? That this is just a fable? That this, there's this, some of every actually that used the words that this is trash. It's nothing to live by. Guess what? They're dead, they're buried, and what still is around? God's Word. God's Word is still here more than ever before. So many of you have heard stories of this, and I love to hear them. I wish I'd kept kind of collection of them. But how many people have received God's Word? How many of you remember getting little Gideon Bibles? Y'all remember the little ones gave out in school? Some of you may still have them. How many of you got a Bible when you graduated from high school? Hmm? A lot of you get them. And these are gifted. Then all. I've seen many folks get those little Gideon Bibles or they, they get the uh, Bible when they graduate from high school and they throw it in the back closet. You know? I mean, excuse me, they throw it in the back of the closet. Way back there. I mean, under all those old tennis shoes and, you know, all those stinking socks and all that kind of stuff. Or they throw it under the bed. You know, it kind of drops to the side. They kind of kick it. It falls up under there. And I know some of y'all, y'all got some beds that have been cleaned up under for a long time, right? We don't, we don't go into some stories about that. But all of a sudden, there's something happening in your heart. You're coming under conviction. You know, there's sin in your life. There's problems in your life. Your girlfriend's dropped you. Your, your husband walked away or something like this. And, and all of a sudden, you're cleaning up. You're doing something. And you find, and there is God's Word. And you say, what is this? And you start looking through it, just kind of, and you pick it up, and there you read something like John 3.16. Or you read Romans 3.23 or Romans 6.23 or something like that and all of a sudden the power of God in that word just jumps all over you and you realize I need to get saved. I've heard testimonies. I heard of one preacher that was leaning against a tree and he looked, he was hunting. 
Not, well, he's a preacher that when he wasn't a preacher at that time, he was lost as could be. But his wife had snuck a Bible into his coat pocket while he went out hunting. So he's leaning against a tree, waiting on a deer. He pulls out, and there's the Bible, and starts opened up. Got under conviction, was led to the Lord, and later called to the ministry. I, was it one preacher I know about? Was he had the mumps? I think he had his mumps. Uh, had the mumps, and he was laying there in that bed, and, uh, and he read everything. He read every Reader's Digest. He w- read Women's Day. He read Later's Home Journal. He just read everything until he reached over and got his wife's Bible that she'd got at her graduation and read it, was under conviction, and gave his heart to Jesus. That's the power of God's Word. Also, we see the work of God. As we look through the landscape of time, isn't this a beautiful time of the year? I mean, I know we didn't have the rain and we don't have the bright reds and the bright orange, but we got some beautiful colors out there. How can people say there's not a God? How can people say there's not a God? Well, just the beauty of this world. You know, I found out this week that we're just close enough to the sun. We're just perfect. And people think we're an accident, the Big Bang, you know, all this stuff, that we just happen to just, by this planet and this planet running together, here we appear. How can that be? Did y'all know that we're just close enough to the sun that if we were just a few miles closer to the sun, we'd be French fried. But if we were a little bit further away from the sun, just a few miles, guess what? We'll be a frozen lollipop. I mean, I mean that'd be about it. Do you know that the air that we breathe is perfectly mixed? Now, I don't know about Brown's packing kind of smell around here, but we won't go into that. <laughs> Sorry about that. Okay. Uh, but the air that we breathe... 21% oxygen, 78% nitrogen. And is that by accident? That's God at work. The earth spins at 1,000 miles per hour. Did y'all know that? You know, if it slowed down to 100 miles an hour, y'all know that our days and our nights would last for a very long, long time. But God's got it just right, just perfect. And God did all that to, to keep us, to love us. And folks, if God can do all that and spin into this earth and, and making everything just right, isn't He going to make everything just right for us to be saved? For to be saved. For see, the work of God also meant He sent His Son, Jesus. The work of God also meant the cross of Calvary. And then we see the will of God. In 2 Peter 3, verse 9, this is one probably you need to claim if you've got a loved one especially that's lost. Look at this. The Lord is not slow in keeping His promise. As some understand slowness, He is patient with you, not wanting, not wanting anyone to perish, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. That is what God desires. See, a lot of folks got this idea. God's just wanting to beat up on you. God created us so He can zap us. You know, God created this big old earth, this big old ant farm, so He can break it and stomp on all us little ants. No, that's not the way it goes. It says there that He is patient, wanting everyone, everyone to come to repentance. And let us be reminded of that. God has done everything within His power to save us. It's His will that we're saved. But being churchy, you know, we're, we're churchy folks, aren't we? Aren't we doing churchy talk today? Don't we have our churchy clothes on today? We got all this going on. You know, but we need to be reminded of this. What is God still doing? 
What is God doing now? Well, not just what He's done, but what is God doing nowadays? See, a lot of us pray and pray and pray, and our lost loved ones are still lost. We're still burdened about them. We're still concerned about them. But let us be reminded there is the conviction of the Spirit. Now, I know some of you, and I won't, I won't talk about male or female. I won't point in any direction, anything like this. But any of y'all got a degree in begging? Any of y'all got a de- degree in pleading? I know some of you got a degree in nagging. Hmm? Y'all got a degree in nagging? And how many times we've done this to a loved one? When are you going to get right with the Lord? You know, I'm not going to have you come over and eat any more uh, meals with me. I'm not going to let you put your feet under my table until you get right with the Lord. Well, sometimes we've nagged our children, our grandchildren, haven't we? We've nagged our friends and, and all this. But I want you to realize something. The Holy Spirit can do something we can't do. And that's the convicting of the heart. We can bother them and we can talk about it and all that stuff. But you know, that Holy Spirit can convict them. Some of you got some great testimonies of when you've realized the conviction. Been there at the same bar? I mean, you, that's the place where everybody knows your name. I think there's a song that goes like that, right? And, uh, and uh, everybody knows your name and everybody, expect, everybody knows that stool. But one night you came in there and you sat down on that stool and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit hits you and that beer tasted as nasty, as nasty as... Well, you know what it tastes like. Nasty as could be. And that person that sat across from you, that boy, that person's ugly as could be. The language was there, was nasty as could be. That smoke that was rising up in that place wasn't a place you want to be around. You had to get out of there. What changed? The conviction of the Holy Spirit. Some of you have been looking at certain things. Boy, that looked good until the Holy Spirit came in. Some of you have been living a lifestyle. You thought, man, I, that, I can live this lifestyle the rest of my life until the Holy Spirit starts convicting and you can't be comfortable until you give your heart to Jesus. No nagging is going to do that. No begging, no pleading. Only the Holy Spirit convicting. And then we see the change in the saints. That's when us, 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 us Christians get on fire. That's when we casual Christians start living a life that shares the gospel of Jesus Christ with a lost world. That's when the church gets on fire. Folks, all we have right now is just a meeting. That's all we got, just a meeting. We had some good music. It's nice to see we help these children all over the world. But I want to tell you, where's the real power? Is when we go out of this place and tomorrow we share the gospel. People say, what's wrong with you? Say, I just love the Lord. I just want to share Him with you. That we as saints start getting, and that's what we're supposed to be, folks. Did y'all know that? We're still to be saints. Now, I know we got, we got sinners, but we're sinners saved by grace, aren't we? And so we as a church need to start living this challenge out to a lost world. And then we see the challenge from the Scriptures. You say, well, you don't cover that in the past, yeah? Because I'm going to tell you what, this Bible that worked back then is working now and it's going to work tomorrow. And that's the beautiful thing of the Scripture. You know, the Scripture tells us that it's a two-edged sword. It's going to cut you coming. It's going to cut you going. 
But the Word is still at work today. That's how God does. Isn't that something how those Gideon Bibles still show up in the most perfect places? Hmm? How sometimes an old Bible that's under the, under the seat of the car, you, all, you forgot about it, the pages that you know, got, got wet and kind of puffing up a little bit, but you open up and the Word still convicts you. The Lord is still at work. So what are we to do? We know what God has done. We know what God is doing. We know what God's going to do tomorrow. But what are we to do now? Well, first be concerned. Be concerned. Cry your tears. And I think that's, the, that's what we have forgotten about as believers in Jesus Christ. We are to be concerned about lost people. We're not to be concerned about being comfortable. We're not to be concerned about just going through the, the, the rituals of church. We've got lost children out there. We've got lost grandchildren that if they died today, they would spend eternity in hell. And is that not worth some tears? Is it not? Oh, everybody in your house saved. Okay. That house next to you may not be. The house next to you may not be. The kid that's sitting in that uh, desk right next to you, they may be lost. If they died, they'd spend eternity in hell. We need to cry some tears. We need to get some knee pads and be on our knees in prayer. That's what we're to be done. We're to be concerned. For God will honor tears. God will honor broken hearts. And the church of today don't even know what a broken heart is. All we know is we got enough money coming in. We got a nice, comfortable Sunday school. You know, we got enough in church. We got enough to pay the bills. And we got people going to hell every day. And we forgot about what concern is all about. And then we just see that we're to be consistent. And this is where we've blown it. We've blown it. We need to be consistent. Folks, how you live right now ought to be the way you live every day of your life. Praising God, worshiping Him, sharing Him. But how many people have said, I'll never go to that church because you know who goes down there? And they'll name the name. You know, the deacon, the deacon who can get up and do the best prayer could be, but in his shop, wherever he might be working, might be a mechanic. And that wrench slips and he lets it go blankety blank blank. Hmm? What about the Sunday school teacher? What about the Sunday school teacher? That gets up and talks about the Lord and all this stuff. Seen coming out of liquor stores. But it's for medicine. You know, it's for medicine. That's what we always say, don't we? They don't see it that way. We've got to be consistent with our lives. How many of you have you have blown it being consistent before lost people? How many of you have blown it? If you haven't blown it, well, folks, let's go ahead. You just tell them the story. We've all blown it. We've all messed up somehow. Because just saying, I'm a member at Southside Baptist Church, and then go and do what you want to do? Uh-uh, folks. We're to go and do what God would have us to do. Folks, Gandhi. Gandhi, that, that fellow that so many of another, another area of this world followed his teachings said that if he had seen a real Christian, he would have become one. But he didn't see one, and he led many, or still leading many people in his teachings to hell. How many others in this world 
need to see consistent believers in Jesus. Does that mean we're going to be perfect? No, not one. But we need to confess before these folks. I've blown it. I've messed up. Seek forgiveness from the Lord. Confess your failure to the person. Ask them to forgive. What's it going to be like tomorrow if you go up to somebody that you work with in your neighborhood, maybe you coach ball with, uh, when the recreational leagues and all this stuff, and say, I want to tell you something. I'm a Christian, but I've blown it in front of you. I've, made, I, I've said some things. I've done some things that is not right. And I've asked the Lord's forgiveness, but I want to ask you, would you please forgive me? How many people will be touched this week? How many lives will be touched if we just do that? Just say, look, I've blown it. Will you forgive me? Because Jesus forgive me. Can I tell you about Jesus? Just lead into your testimony. Wow. Revival will happen in Cherokee County and Spartanburg and all over. And then be compassionate. You know what? You know how to be compassionate? Here's very, something very simple. You don't have to go and do any good, big old theological study. Here's how to be compassionate to lost people. Remember when it was the time you were lost. How did you act? Now some of you, some of you have been a, a, a believer since you were a mere child. You don't remember that far back, but some of you were adults. Folks, put yourselves in their shoes. No, not, don't, don't go back to be a sinner. But remember what it was like to sin. See, they were dead. They were dead in their sins. If you're dead in your sins, you don't know how to act like a believer. They, they're, you know, folks like that, they're going to cuss because that's all they know. They know how to go out and have a party in a good time because that's all they know. Be compassionate. Reach out to them. Love them. Don't condemn them. Don't, I mean, condemn their sin. But love them. Love them in the Lord. Be compassionate. Pray and wait on the Lord. He's still working, folks, isn't He? He's still working. This morning, you may realize that you need to be saved. And I'm, I'm going to say this, and I, I usually don't. You may think you're saved. You may at one time walk the aisle and join the church because that's what your friends were doing. Or maybe that's what your wife or your husband expected you to do. But you realize now that you're lost because you've never had that personal relationship with Jesus. Today, you can come and invite Him to your heart. Really mean it. And ask Him to come into your heart and He will come in and save you today. Some of you may realize that you, you failed. You've not been consistent. You're, you may have never said a cuss word. You may have never done any other crazy thing. But you realize the way your attitude was, you run more people away from the church than you did invite them to the church. Come, confess that. Now, folks, don't come to me. Just come and kneel and pray. Some of you are burdened about a loved one. You've got a child, a grandchild, a neighbor, a cousin, best friend in school that's lost. Come and pray. Seek 
the Lord today. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, set a fire under us. Set a a Holy Spirit fire under us as a church family. For we're a good church family. We're a loving church family. We're one of the friendliest churches around. That's what I keep hearing. And and those are wonderful things, but that's nothing to be patting ourselves on the back about. That's because you've worked among us. But Lord, what we really want to hear is Southside's on fire for you. That we're not going to be just sitting back and being comfortable. That we get our pleasant few when we have a world that's lost. A world that's dying and going to hell. And we're contented. Shake us up. Rock our boats, Lord. Let us let us have to step out on those stormy waves and, and look to You and, and keep our eyes on You. And, and though there may be fear around, there may be concern around and all this stuff, let us put our eyes on You because that's what we need to do. I pray for that one today that does not know You. Let them come today. They, they, your Holy Spirit's working in their hearts right now. They, they, they could be running out the door right now being so scared, but they, they're kind of hanging in. Let them come today to know You in a personal way. And Lord, for all of us that's blown it at some time or another, let us get things straight today. Straight with You and with those that we've blown it in front of. Let us be in prayer. Guide us through this, Lord. This is Your church. This is your time. This is your invitation. Lord, we look to our look, we open up our hearts, but we look to you in Jesus name. Please stand.